0: It's so nice to see all of you. To see eyeballs. It's so wonderful. Over the last three months, the only person that's been in the room with me while I'm speaking is Mike, our sound guy. He is super sanctified at this point. Yeah, it's unbelievable. We want to say hi to those that are watching online and those that are watching in the chapel this morning. I want to say a particular hello to the kids. That are with us this morning and during these family services that we're going to be having, if there's a little extra commotion going on, we're excited about that and that's welcome during these times. And if you're a kid who is a part of Awana and you didn't get to be a part of the drive-by awards ceremony, there are going to be your Awana awards out on the table afterwards and you can grab those and bring them home when we're done. A couple of weeks ago, we started a sermon series entitled, Wholehearted. And during this sermon series, we are learning from the sins and the mistakes of Israel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul is talking about the sins of Israel that they committed while they were wandering in the wilderness after they had escaped Egypt. And in chapter 10, verse 6, he says, now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. The Apostle Paul is saying, we we need to learn from the sins and the mistakes of Israel. And that's what we're doing in this sermon series. We're learning from the sins and the mistakes of Israel during a different time in their history, as recorded in the book of Malachi, where we find out that Israel was involved in half-hearted worship that made God angry. And as we are looking at their half-hearted worship, we are learning more and more about what it looks like for us to be wholehearted worshipers. And so last week we saw that if we want to love and honor God, it means wholehearted sacrifice for God. And this week we're going to see that if we want to love and honor God, that means wholehearted obedience to God. So would you guys pray with me before we look at our passage in Malachi, Malachi chapter 2 today? Father... We just ask that your spirit would be present, working in our lives, pressing your scripture into us to bring encouragement and conviction to our lives, and leaving us changed because we have met with the living God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There are a lot of famous pathways and roads in the world, but perhaps no road is more famous than this one. The Wizard of Oz is a movie that people of all different generations have seen. And most of us are introduced to this movie as kids, which means we have all had the same experience, haven't we, where we were freaked out by the flying monkeys in this movie. Right? Raise your hand if at some point you were freaked out by the flying monkeys in this movie. Absolutely. And in The Wizard of Oz... Dorothy and her companions are told that they need to stay on this yellow brick road. As a matter of fact, there is a whole group of helium-voiced munchkins that tell them to follow the, follow the, follow the, follow the, follow the yellow brick road. And later on in the movie, when they leave the prescribed path, they wind up in all sorts of trouble. Uh, Their journey is in trouble. Even their lives are in danger when they leave the path. But as long as they stay on the prescribed path... Things are golden, and it's vital that they stay on that path. And that's really the whole lesson for this morning, that it is vital for us to stay on the prescribed path. God has given us a defined path that we are to walk. It's a path of love and righteousness that leads to us becoming like Christ, and His commands define that path. And he has told us to obey his commands and stay on that path. When we disobey his commands, we leave the path. And it is vital for us to stay on this path and be obedient to God's commands. Now in the Old Testament, there was a group of people whose job it was to not only be obedient to God's commands and stay on the path, but to teach all of the rest of Israel to be obedient to God's commands and stay on the path. What was the name of those people? They were priests. The priests of Israel's job was to obey God's commands, to be a model of obedience of God's commands, and to teach Israel to be obedient to God's commands. And you guys in Malachi's day, they were messing up. And the first two verses talk about this in chapter 2. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not Take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts. Then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. What does God say the priests needed to do? They needed to not only hear his commands and understand his commands, he says you need to take it to heart or lay it to heart. Those phrases mean to take something in and be obedient to it. To not just know it, but to respond in obedience. And that's what God's call on the priest was. Don't just hear my commands, don't just know my commands, but take it to heart and be obedient to my commands. When my kids were growing up, we had a dog. Her name was Lacey. And Lacey was a good dog. When you told Lacey to come, she would come. And when you told Lacey to sit, she would sit. Most of the time. And one time Lacey was out in the backyard and all the neighbor kids came over and they all were in our backyard playing with Lacey and having fun with Lacey. And then all of the neighbor kids left and they left the gate open. And by the time I got outside to see where all of the kids had gone, there was Lacey standing in the open gate about to leave the yard. Just at that time, a woman who was new to our neighborhood came around the corner walking her dog. And I am being generous with the term "dog" here. It was about the size of my hand. And so as she was walking her little toy along, I could see in Lacey's eye that Lacey thought, "Oh, a friend!" or a toy, or something along those lines. And so I yelled as loud as I could, Lacey, come! And Lacey's head turned, and Lacey looked at me, and I could see her register, and then she turned around and ran as fast as she could out of the yard and towards that woman. It's a great way to meet your neighbor as she holds her dog up over her head, panicked because your dog wants to come and play. Lacey heard my command, registered my command, but Lacey did not take my command to heart. She didn't lay it to heart, as this passage says. She was not obedient to the command. She just turned and ran, and that is what is going on with the priests. They know the commands of God. They understand the commands of God, but they have turned and they have run off of the path that God has given. And so God says, I'm going to discipline you for this. And here's the discipline he talks about in verse 3. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi, Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. When my son was eight years old, he got a Bible for boys. And his Bible for boys loved to highlight things in the scripture that were gross. They had like little articles at the bottom of the page that said gross and loved to highlight the gross facts in the Bible. And this passage is a dream come true for the people who edited that Bible. God says, I am going to take dung and spread it all over your face, priests, for your disobedience. When people brought their offerings... The bowels were often filled with digested food, and that material was unclean to burn as an offering before the Lord. And so they would take the entrails of the animals outside the city and pile it up in an unclean area. And God says, I am going to go to that pile, and I am going to grab a bunch of that yuck, and I am going to spread it all over your faces. Aren't you excited you came back to church this morning? <laughs> Isn't this great? Man. I hope there's an eight-year-old boy out there right now that is loving every bit of this. Right, God isn't literally going to spread dung on their faces, but he wants them to understand discipline is going to come and it's going to be unpleasant and embarrassing. Discipline's going to come and it's going to be unpleasant and embarrassing for you. And now that he has warned them of that discipline that is coming, God wants them to see a picture of what this should look like. And so in verse five, he goes to an example of what the priests are supposed to operate like. He says this, my covenant with him, who's him? That's Levi from verse four. My covenant with him, Levi, was one of life and peace. And I gave them the commandments to him. It was a covenant of fear and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth. And no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Who is this Levi that's talked about in verse 4 and then referenced in these verses? Well, Levi was the grandfather Of Moses and Aaron. And so you can see here in this genealogy how Moses and Aaron come from the line of Levi. Or put another way, you can see here how Moses and Aaron had Levi's genes. All right. God made a covenant with the descendants of Levi, that they would be the clergy of Israel. And they were to be a people who walked the path of obedience, were examples of walking the path of obedience, and led Israel in teaching them the way of obedience. And God says to the priests in Malachi's day, and Levi did it. Levi is an example of what this looks like, you guys. But unfortunately, the priests of Malachi's day, they were on the opposite end of the spectrum. And we read about them in our final two verses. But you have turned aside from the way, the path, the road. You have caused many to stumble by your instructions. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instructions. They turned aside from the path that God gave. They were disobedient to the Lord and led others into disobedience. And God says, this is a problem. Because God's desire for the priests, God's desire for Israel, and God's desire for every one of us is that we would be obedient to his commands. That we would walk that path that he has given to us and be obedient to his commands. Now we may ask, is obedience really that big a deal? I mean, we're, we're saved by grace, right? Through faith. Is obedience really that important? And the scripture's answer to that is absolutely yes. And I want to give you three reasons that the scripture says obedience is absolutely important. The first is this obedience is the sign of a saving faith. Obedience is the sign or evidence of a saving faith. Obedience isn't the cause of our salvation. It is impossible for us as sinners to do enough obedient things in order to earn our salvation. That's impossible. We are saved by the grace of God. But the scripture is also very clear that obedience is the evidence that shows that a person has that saving faith. Which is why Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty one, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, there are going to be a lot of people who stand before me one day and who claim my name, and who say, I went to church all the time, and I was one of your followers, and Jesus says, you will be able to tell my true followers. You will be able to tell those who truly belong to me because they are the ones who have been obedient to the commands that my Father gave. Because that obedience is evidence of a genuine saving faith. That's what James chapter 2 is all about that a real faith is always evidenced by obedience of good works. So that in James 2.17 we read, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In the same way that being a Vikings fan always leads to disappointment. And I say that as a fellow Vikings fan. So, a genuine saving faith always leads to To good works of obedience. They are married together and they cannot be separated. And so is obedience important? Absolutely it is because obedience is the sign of a saving faith. The second thing I want us to understand about how important obedience is, is obedience a big deal? Yes, because obedience is what is best for us. Obedience is God's plan for what is best for us. Look back at Malachi chapter 2, Verse 5, where we find out that God's commands are commands that bring, it says, their life and peace. My covenant, God says, is a covenant of life and peace with you. God has made this path and told us to stay on it because obedience to what is on the path is an expression of his love for us. He's given us these commands because he loves us and he knows what is best for us. That's what's on the pathway. That's why his commands are, as this verse says, never a burden. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commands are not burdensome. Now, don't they feel burdensome at times? If you're going for a promotion at work and someone else is going for that promotion in a dishonest way and you are bound by the commands of God to be honest and you might lose out on the promotion because of it, doesn't that feel burdensome at that moment? If you are dating someone of the opposite sex and you want to go further physically than God has said is appropriate, doesn't the command of God feel burdensome at that moment? If someone speaks about you negatively behind your back, and you find out about it, and you so desperately want to say something negative about them behind their back, doesn't the command of God that says, you shouldn't gossip, use your words to build up and edify others, feel burdensome at that moment? The commands of God can feel burdensome to our flesh but they're never actually a burden because they are always the expression of God's love and his desire for what is best for us. When I was a really small kid, my parents had a rule. And that rule was that I was not allowed to go over by the glass doors of our fireplace when there was a fire in the fireplace. As a matter of fact, uh, my dad who is here today would be happy to tell you that the first time that I ever got in trouble as a kid was when he told me not to go over by those glass fireplace doors when there was a fire, and I turned around and headed immediately for those doors. He caught me before I got there, and I got in a wee bit of trouble. It was a problem. But you guys... That command to stay away from those doors felt like such a burden at times. When you're a little kid, fire's cool. Well, no, it's warm. Right? And, and it looks awesome, and you just want to go over and be by it. And the command to stay away from there felt like such a burden. And one day, when we had company over, and there had been a fire in the fireplace all day, I found myself in the living room, and no one was between me and the fireplace. And so I went over to the fireplace, and I felt the warmth, and I pressed my hands right up against the glass. And I'm not sure if the screaming started before I removed my hands or after, but as my parents will tell you, when I removed my hands, large chunks of my skin stayed there on the glass. They will confirm that there were hand-shaped prints of my skin left on the glass, and I got to go to the emergency room. Now, the rule that they put in place felt burdensome to me, but in fact, what was it? It was a barrier put up for my good. And there are times where God's commands may feel burdensome to us, but in fact, they are always an expression of his love for us, seeking what is best for us. Because God knows, you guys, it's not best for you if you're walking around gossiping about each other, slandering each other, lying to each other, stealing from each other, murdering each other. Should I go on? God says, this isn't what is best for you. What is best is that you are generous towards each other, that you use your words to edify each other, that you spend time with your God, and out of that you love him and love others. These are the things that are best for you. So God gives us this path because it is what is best for us. Is obedience a big deal? Yes, because obedience is what is best for us. And third and finally, is obedience a big deal? Yes, because obedience is how we express love and honor to our God. The first part of 1 John 5, 3 that we just read says, for this is the love of God that we keep His commands. Keeping God's commands is how we express love for our God. It's how we say, God, we we love you and we honor you. That's been true since the first pages of the Bible in the garden. When God gave Adam and Eve free reign over everything that was in the garden and said, have at it, do whatever you want, eat whatever you want. But there is this one tree. And in this one tree, I would like you to put me Ahead of your own desires. It's the one area where you can put me ahead of your own desires and your own wants is with this tree. It is a way for you to express love and honor for me, which Adam and Eve did until the day that they didn't. And all of a sudden, one day, they decided to act and say, God, it's us over you. They acted in selfishness instead of in love and honor for God. Because our obedience is how we express love and honor for God. Disobedience is selfishness. Disobedience is dishonoring to God. It shows a lack of love for God. So when two 17-year-olds who know Jesus, go out and they decide to hook up even though they know they're not supposed to. Not only are they doing damage to themselves and disobeying their parents, they are also acting in selfishness. And their expression towards God is one that lacks love and dishonors Him. When we decide to go down the road in a conversation of gossiping about somebody and tearing them down behind their back, That isn't just bad for that person's reputation and bad for our soul. That also looks God in the face and says, God, it's me over you. And it dishonors him. And it doesn't love him well in that moment. When a guy is sitting in a room and there is a temptation to click on certain images and he begins to go down that road, that isn't just damaging to him, damaging to his marriage or his future marriage Ingraining patterns of sin in his life, that's also him looking at God and saying, God, right now it's me over you. And it dishonors him in that moment. But the opposite is also true, right? The very positive opposite is also true. That every time we choose to be obedient to God, it is an expression of our love and our honor that excites the heart of God. It is a sweet aroma to our God when we choose obedience in those times. When we're in a conversation and we are tempted to gossip about somebody else and speak about them behind their back, but because of our love for God, we choose not to because that's not what is right. There may be nobody who is present who is going to pat us on the back and say, good job holding your tongue. But it excites the heart of God. And he looks at that and says, look at that love and honor for me expressed in that obedience. When a guy is tempted to click on some of those images and instead through prayer begins to go to battle and walks away and does not, there is no one who is going to throw a parade for him in that moment. But understand that God is excited and loves talking to the hosts of heaven about the obedience that has been shown because it brings love and honor to him. When somebody has 10,000 things to do in a day and yet decides to start their day by spending time with God in his word and in prayer, no one may know that any of that ever took place, but God is excited by that heart of obedience. When people choose to not judge others based on outward appearance or their financial standing or the color of their skin, but instead to love others well. God says, I love that. And he celebrates that obedience to him because it honors him and it shows love to him. Is obedience important? Absolutely, because obedience is how we express love and honor to our God. Friends, the gospel is this. The gospel is, I was disobedient. But Jesus came and was totally obedient. And when he went to the cross, he took the punishment for my disobedience, and I got credited with his obedience in the courtroom of heaven so that now his spirit can enter into me and into you, and we can grow in genuine obedience in our daily lives. And so the question for us to ask as we wrap this time up together is, is there an area of our life where God is challenging us this morning to grow in obedience to him? Is there any area of our life as we spend time with God's spirit examining us where we have been half-hearted in our obedience or disobedient to God? Is there any area of our life where God is challenging us to a new faith and a new obedience? I want to give you just a moment to think about that. Is there any way in which God is calling you to greater obedience right now? And We have some discussion questions as we have every week to help you process that. The discussion questions this week are, how can you summarize all of God's commands Jesus maybe will give you some help with this. Why has God called us to stay on the path of obedience? What are the consequences of leaving the path of obedience? Are there ways in which you have been involved in disobedience or half-hearted obedience to God? And what is an area in which you would like to pray for and seek greater obedience this week? And those questions are available on our online area of our website, or you can pull your phone out and take a picture if you want to process those questions with your family or with your small group this week. But let me pray for us right now. Father, we are so thankful that we serve a God who loves us so deeply and has laid out obedience that is for our best. We ask for your Spirit's power this week to be a people who are known for our obedience, that we are submissive to you in all things, and that we will walk the path of love and righteousness in a way that brings you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen. So a quick reminder, if you have one of these filled out, please uh, turn it in to the red buckets that will be in the back. uh, wanted to encourage you to stay in your seats because we're going to dismiss you by row. And finally, uh, offering, uh, we're going to have red buckets in the back to be able to put offering in, or you can do it online at friendshipmn.org slash giving. And you also can use your mobile app, as you maybe are already doing, to set up a recurring or a one-time gift. And finally, you can mail it in uh, to the friendship address, or simply again put it in a bucket in the back as you go out. So let's pray for the offering and then we'll slowly dismiss after the song, after the service. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather again. And even in the giving of our offering, Lord, we want to give it wholeheartedly and in trust, in a spirit of generosity and a willingness. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who teaches us to delight in obeying you. And your commands, indeed, are not a burden, but they're for our good. And we love you, God, and we worship you, even with our finances. We worship you with our lips. We want to worship you with all of our lifestyle. So, Lord, be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: see broken, but you see beautiful, and you're helping me to believe that you're restoring Two. speed Washed in the blood of your sacrifice Your blood flowed red, it made me white My dirty rags are purified, I am clean Washed in the blood of your sacrifice you that you've made us clean that you have purified our hearts that you have given us a new heart within us that we may not sin against you god we love you we praise you we lift your name high in your name we pray amen well if you're online joining us thank you so much for being with us today for tuning in if you're here in person just a reminder to stay in your seats as the ushers will come and dismiss you row by row Have an awesome week, and we will see you back here next week.